Hello, welcome. I hope you're well and welcome to the State of the Game podcast. Um, another episode coming at you. So, um, yeah, I hope that your week has been good. You know, I hope that you've had a good week and that you're excited about the weekend coming up and excited about the football that's coming as well. Um, I'm so glad that this international break and all that bollocks is behind us because, you know, for me, I <laughs> support in Ireland. I don't really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I, I dabble sort of watching England a little bit. Um, I try to catch a couple of games. But me, you know, I'm pretty much a, you know, once the Premier League's over, give me a summer tournament, give me a World Cup, give me a um, European Championship, something like that. Jesus, if I got the um, the South American, no, what is it? The American Cup, Copa de Lib- Libertadores or something like that. Um, I would be all over that, to be honest. But uh, I'm really excited about what we're doing, actually, because um, we're going to be... We're going to be doing a fan series, okay? So we're going to be getting real-life fans and we're going to be talking to them about their association with the club that they support, obviously what got them involved, etc. And obviously just have a general chit-chat about a few things that are going on and maybe a, a couple of things about the game which maybe they're really loving at the moment or maybe they're not so happy with. So listen, and I do want to say, if you do want to be a part of this and you're listening, you can go to um, the stateofthegamepodcast.com and there is a messaging form on there as well. If you, if the, the message should just pop up in the bottom right corner. And obviously, you can submit your interest to it as well. But um, I am excited to do this. And I, um, I've got another one coming um, next week, which is um, with a good friend of mine as well. But I will get onto that later. This is all about Ricky. He's an Arsenal fan, like myself. And we had a good chit-chat about um, quite, a few, quite a few things that are going on. Good days, bad days, but also a couple of more general things as well. So, right, let's crack on with it, okay? I hope you enjoy and um, take it easy. And I hope you're... All right, wicked, wicked. I'm super excited about this, actually, because we've got the first episode of our fan series, okay? And my first guest is um, is a good mate of mine, Ricky, and he is actually an Arsenal fan as well, like me, which is super awesome. We're going to get him on now. I've, um, we're going to have so have a little chat. We're going to talk about a couple of things, but first off, Ricky. Hey, Damien. Thanks for inviting me on. It's, uh, it's quite an honour to be here. Um, yeah, I, as you mentioned, I'm an Arsenal fan of, um, of uh, what, 30? No, 30. Yeah, 32 years. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, mad. <laughs> so, since, since I was 10. Yeah, I, I live in Berkshire I, with my wife and uh, with my kids who are twins, just like yours. So we, we have quite a bit in common. Um, we have, quite got, we have yeah. got a bit in common, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, as, as you say, the, uh, being an Arsenal fan at the moment is, uh, is certainly interesting times for sure. A hundred percent. It's um, it's it's double, double trouble, double love, and um, double disappointment when it comes to Arsenal. Anyway, so um, wicked. So you've been an Arsenal fan for quite a long time. For me, oh my god, it, I I did start supporting around then. You know, for me, it was I, I put up a the podcast. Well, the podcast that we did before, I mentioned that my dad is a Chelsea fan, but for years I thought he was an Arsenal fan. I don't know whether he just thought I was interested in Arsenal or <laughs> I thought, I don't know what happened. But he started buying me the kits anyway, and that's kind of where it started for me. So, obviously, Arsenal fan, how did you start supporting, mate? Um, was it a particular player, a game that you saw, you know, into the stadium or a family member? Yeah, for me, it was um, actually a school friend, one of my school friends who we used to play football within the playground. Um, he was one of the 
best footballers at the school at the time. And I, that kind of got me hooked on, hooked on Arsenal. I must have watched um, a few games beforehand. I think uh, Liverpool-Everton was one of the first games that I watched um, that got me into football. But certainly from being an Arsenal fan, was definitely um, be, being good friends with, uh, with, this, with this guy. It's funny, isn't it? Because the, the playground at school is quite, uh, yeah, I guess it depends who you're friends with and stuff like that. I guess a few of my friends were Arsenal fans as well. So maybe that's why um, I sort of got into it at first. You know, do you remember the, the Premier League sticker book? Did you, ever, did you ever have that? Or was that a little <laughs> bit before? Or the Orbis football collection? That's what I started to actually collect, like sticker books. And um, I remember um, once I was properly into Arsenal, I wouldn't even swap my doubles of Arsenal. I would literally just keep them all. And I would, I would stick them on top of each other. <laughs> So the Arsenal page was like absolutely, the Arsenal section was absolutely humongous. Like it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I remember sort of trading, trading these, these stickers, et cetera, stuff like that. And um, obviously the kits back then, you know, the JVC, um, the old Arsenal crest as well. I'm actually wearing one of the newer Arsenal kits with just the cannon badge, which I think is like a... Um, it's a callback to the, the 70s kits, I think, isn't it? The yellow and blue, which um, is my favourite away kit. I have to say it is absolutely my favourite away kit. Yellow and blue for the away kits and red and white for the home. Keep it as that Adidas or whoever comes on. Don't fucking mess about with it. None <laughs> of this. I, I don't even like the blue lightning one. Yeah, I don't even like the blue lightning kit. I'm no way. No, I'm I... not a fan of it. I never liked the original one, though. That's the thing. Oh, I loved the original. That that's the that's the ones that I grew up with when I was back at school. Um, yeah. And you and you talk about uh, your friends and uh, family and supporting their clubs. For me, it was also um, the rest of my family on my dad's side. They were all Manchester United supporters. No so, way. Yeah, and I and I grew up with one who I used to. We we used to go to the same school in the same year, so there was always a lot of band to go in back and forth um, <laughs> we, 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 with them in those, in those early years. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, the, kit, the kits for me, I, I personally like the Arsenal blue kits just because they stand out a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. for me. I, I too am wearing uh, the, the current Arsenal home The current home, home kit. kit, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh Yeah. Like we say, like, like we said, we, we actually share quite a lot of similarities. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Adidas, though. It's their last year, isn't it? Doing the kit side last season. But <gasps> I suspect that, they, uh, I know, I, I suspect that it will be renewed because I think they've been really popular. So it just depends whether Adidas want to sponsor us, I guess. Because we've, we've dropped quite a lot since, <laughs> since we signed with them. True. I, I, it is Adidas for me. Like I say, back, here, back to the old... Uh, JVC kit days. I've got the the 1993 FA Cup winners shirt, which yeah. is which is Adidas based, and it's got the FA Cup on it and stuff. I, yeah, love it. I really didn't like any of the Puma kits, so I didn't bother buying any of them. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of them. They're a bit fitted as well for my frame, so I didn't really, I didn't really like it. I didn't think too much. Yeah, same here. I didn't, I didn't think it was worth uh, unleashing that on the rest of society yeah. <laughs> so, so I left it I, le- I left those ones out 
So and, uh, it's like, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was a bit like that as well. I bought the, I bought the home one and I bought it in a large and it wasn't a large. All right. <laughs> it was not a large. Um, anyway, so, so that's awesome. You know, you know, obviously you say one of the first matches you watched was obviously, um, Liverpool Everton. It is funny because the, the Premier League, I guess it was the blackout, you know, the blackout of football sort of late eighties and then obviously going across into the early nineties, but the Premier League really did, you know, accelerate the, the sort of exposure to football and stuff like that, especially for us guys, because, you know, it was on TV, it was, and yeah, I remember being really absorbed by it. Obviously, we had our big success, you know, end of 90s, obviously going across into early, early to, well, yeah, well, mid, mid 2000s, we had quite a good run, but obviously things aren't really the same now, but I guess it's going to be around that period, potentially, but what's your favourite moment as a, as an Arsenal supporter? Yeah, my favourite moment as an Arsenal supporter was um, being sat in my in my dad's kitchen, um, watching Arsenal um, take on Palmer in the 1994 Cup Winners' Cup final, where Smudger Alan Smudger Smith nailed it for us one nil off the uh, left post. Um, while watching it on a TV that was no bigger than uh, 12 inches with one of those manual dials to tune in the channels. Oh my that, god. That was the greatest moment for me. And that was, uh, I think I might have even cried during that game. Really? After that win. Yeah, it was, it was, that, it was that good for me. That was my favourite moment. There was a, a close second was back in 2007, um, being at the Emirates Stadium, watching Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1 in a, in a League Cup semi-final in, in extra time. With oh yeah, a, baby. <laughs> with, with a with a Spuds fan set stood next to me, so <laughs> all the better. It makes it better, innit? When you can see the pain and anguish on the face. Like my my favourite moment is um, is Thierry Henry against Real Madrid. You know, scoring that that goal in the in the Bernabeu, and for me, because because Arsenal don't really have a a really great European history. I think, um, I think these moments, it's weird. It's obviously, you know, you said obviously the, um, is the cup winners cup. It was the cup winners cup final, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, I think that, um, you know, we don't have many of these moments. So, you know, what happened obviously in the Champions League final was absolutely devastating. Um, it doesn't really help when you get your keeper sent off within the first, first five minutes was it or something like that <laughs> layman he was an absolute nutcase man honestly but um but yeah it's um you know we haven't had a lot of that to be honest and um yeah for me it's the Thierry Henry moment and it's funny that neither of us have mentioned like you know the invincibles or you know the first double obviously for Arsene Wenger but you know for me I guess um I always think about that period we should have won more, you know? Do you feel like that? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, it, w- it, was a great, it was a great time. It was a great time for the club. Um, going up against like Manchester United for, for the title most seasons. Um, and there were certainly times where it made football really exciting. Like I said, the, r- the rivalry as well with, um, with, with my cousins and stuff going into... Uh, 
going into into the games uh, than being United fans. Yeah, we, we could have won a could have won a lot more. I was severely gutted though with the Invincibles when uh, we lost to Manchester United to end our Invincible forty nine game run. That was, <laughs> that was that uh, was that was a bit crazy. Uh, it was written. It was written. I think that Wayne Rooney scored the first goal, didn't he? And he uh, obviously he obviously um, I think he scored he scored on his debut against us as well, didn't he? I, but um, yeah, Wayne Rooney, we did have a problem with him for quite a while and, and Ronaldo, but I guess everyone did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, uh, I think Jamie Vardy's taken uh, Wayne Rooney's mantle at the moment. Oh yeah, true. God, I hate Vardy. He's, <laughs> oh, he's so snidey and annoying. Like, yeah, he's a proper twat. I'm, I'm interested. What was it like sort of growing up in a, like a big Man United family like yeah, you, you'd always know that when you go to family uh, gatherings like weddings, because I come from quite a big family, uh, yeah. we, we had quite a lot of uh, lot of weddings going on and whatnot and ca- yeah. catch-ups and meeting up on a Sunday and whatever. And it'd be like, oh, what's happened to your team today? And, like, and I'd be just kind of like cowering in the corner. But when I when, <laughs> when after I've won, I'd be walking in there, I'd be like, yeah, this is cool. How's it going? Yeah, lad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife, she's a Manchester United fan, so there's a bit of oh, a no way. bit of a uh, bit, bit of um, bit of banter that goes on around those games um, too. I think it's good. So obviously, amazing moment for Arsenal against Palmer. It started so long ago, but um, it was absolutely incredible. Um, and now the big question: Who is the goat? Greatest of oh. all time. Oh, the the goat oh. for me has to be Arsenal related. I'm afraid it's gonna <laughs> gonna have to be it's gonna have to be the Ice Man, Mr. Dennis Bergkamp, the guy the guy who transformed um, the way that Arsenal play, the methodology and thinking. The, the guy was just on another um, another planet with his like the way that he just played. And for me, he just kind of. Being one of the first um, foreigners as well to come to the country to play, um, and just a technical skill. The 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 guy was just class personified as well. You know, I I just want to say a word on Dennis Bergkamp. He's my he's my absolute favourite Arsenal player ever. Like I think Bergkamp changed the identity of the club because we used to be kind of like a, a working, you know, hard working sort of discipline. Obviously the, the George Graham years kind of like, you know, did that to us, didn't that? And I think Burkamp was like that sign-in, which really kind of um, changed the perception of what we could do. I love the, the connection that he built with Ian Wright, because I do think that had Burkamp not arrived, you know, Ian Wright may not have um, played as long as he did, because I do think that the the goal record for Ian Wright became such a big obsession because he had Burkamp in the team. You know, he was like, I can do this. And the, the, the goals he used to lay on for him. One thing I just love, it's the angles, isn't it? The ball comes up to him, doesn't even need to take a touch. He just, you know, spin, turn, little chip over. There's this goal, there's this assist that... I don't know if you remember it, the assist that he does for, he receives the ball just outside Juventus's area. Freddie Lundberg hasn't made his run yet. 
And Burkamp literally just buys time. It's like he, he goes one way, he turns it around. The player comes in with a tackle. He sort of rolls it behind him and then in front of him. And then Lundberg makes the run. And he just like flicks the ball with the side of his foot. And it just literally drops over the, straight over the defender's head. And Lundberg runs onto it. I, I, I think that that's a part of football that is completely missing now. You never see stuff like that anymore. And the way, the way he buys himself time, Freddie, you need to make this run. So I am literally going to wait here until you make it. And then if, if, if Arsene Wenger used to talk about it, technical leadership. And I think that what Burkamp used to do is that every pass, it was giving players messages. It was telling them where to go. And he wouldn't play it directly to their feet so they're standing still. He'll play it with a little bit of curve in front of them so they have to run towards it. And, you know, I think, I think that's, that's pure artistry. And I do think that football is much different now. It's all about triangles. It's all about one-twos. It's all about moving, you know, coming onto the ball, running. It's like the coaches design these patterns, not the players anymore. And I do think that that is missing. What do you think? Like, because Burkamp was literally unreal in that area. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it definitely changed for sure. And like you say, it's all about these one-two passes, keeping the triangles, moving the ball, and all that kind of stuff. And the pass, uh, and the passing. Like to be fair, Arsenal, Arsenal were you employing a lot of that? Um, certainly with Jack Wilshire, uh, the, yeah. the goal, the goal against Norwich springs to mind. That was uh, incredible. Yeah, and but yeah, but those things where people like Bergkamp can just see the pass when out of nothing you, you don't expect him yeah. to actually do anything and those little spit um, when he t- spins it round the round your defender they're just phenomenal to watch just incredible yeah. maybe he hopefully maybe one day he can bring that that in his to his management style and um bring that over to the arsenal one day <laughs> that, it, it, was, it, it was weird didn't it because he's never become a manager isn't it so i find that strange He's um he's been assistant coach over at uh, Ajax and also for the Netherlands, I believe. Mm. Um, and I and I was absolutely gutted. I attended a Legends match a couple of years back, uh, probably about three or four years ago now. And um, him and uh, Henri were supposed to be on the bill uh, to play, and I was totally gutted when Burkamp couldn't come because he just signed up as a. Uh, as a, a Netherlands coach at the time or something, and he was too busy with them. I was just like, well... That is really annoying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's the point of me going that I came to watch this guy play? Because I couldn't do it when I was at uh, when we were at Highbury. Uh, I, bet, I bet he would have still been amazing. Oh, you expect so, don't you? Like There were players like Mark Overmars uh, and Robert Pires, they, and they are still... They are still... Uh, top-notch players given their age today so yeah I can, I can imagine that Bergkamp would be uh, would have kept a similar similar sort of level up Bobby uh, Bobby Perez man do you know yeah. what, um, he's he's been training with Arsenal like still for years it seems I think he's like some. there was talk of him coming back as sporting director actually but um, it never happened but um, you know he's um, he's a typical Frenchman isn't he he's um He's smooth. He's silky. <laughs> he's got great hair. Oh man, I love Bobby Perez, man. He was he was an absolute assassin. Like you know, he looked, but um, yeah, he was wonderful, man. He was such oh. a sensational player. 
Yeah, he certainly was, for sure. So, let's just go into it quickly. How do you feel about the team right now? Sad. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a sad and sorry state of affairs at the moment. The, um, when the fixture list came out, I, uh, I always thought that it was going to be quite difficult, to be fair. Having Chelsea and Man City, so the champions of Europe and the champions of England, to play uh, right next to each other was always was always going to be a difficult ask on the team. It's like, come on, <laughs> give us a break, guys. Yeah, and, the, and then and then the Spurs at the end of September, just like this is, this is, this ain't going to this ain't going to be this ain't going to start well. So kind of kind of half expected that it wasn't going to be great, but I'm afraid. And and you always know that a promoted team, especially promoted as champions, are going to be really up for it, right? Um, so. Yeah. We should have ground out at least a draw against Brentford. Um, terrible, don't it, though? <laughs> yeah. Terrible. I get it, though. Fans back in the stadium, new um, ground, etc. promoted. It just, it was written all over that it was going to be difficult, wasn't it? Oh, t- oh totally. Totally. It was, it was, it was, it was never going to be, um, yeah, it was never going to be our day, really, was it? And then, to no. be fair, be, being hit with COVID so badly, uh, in the squad, mate. If if that if that's that's what we well, that's what we've been told. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's pretty sad. But the way that we capitulated against Manchester City, I I didn't get to watch the whole game, but I watched a few of the highlights, and some of the goals were just ridiculous. I know, I know. It's mad, isn't it? It's um. Do you know what I do? Um. What what really frustrated me the most with that with that Brentford game though was um was Ben White, you know, and I get that maybe um you know head in and stuff like that isn't his forte. But he's a central defender. I do find that that quite strange. He was dominated quite a lot by is it Ivan Tony, I think it is. And I mean he he looks like a player, I have to say, Tony. He looks fantastic, but it's just the optics, and a fifty million central defender, and you get absolutely <laughs> bossed by a championship striker in your first game. As I say, it needs to be yeah, need, needed to actually stand up and be stronger. Hopefully, 100%. hopefully that will come in the next three games. My my thoughts for keeping Arteta on. I've I've always been. Uh, as you know, throughout last last season was a trust the process guy, which is the yeah. uh, the whole mantra. Now I think he's only got September to prove himself. Um, I hundred percent agree. I hundred percent agree because do you know what he's got? He's got winnable games, but yeah, I and that that's what worries me because I and, and do you know what the thing is like like who have we got? I'm just going to check it here now actually. Um, yeah, so we got Norwich at home. This Saturday, Burnley away, Ooh. <laughs> and then we've got AFC Wimbledon at home in the the um, cup, and then obviously we've got Spurs at home, and then we've got Brighton away, Crystal Palace home, Aston Villa at home, and then Leicester City away. So we've got some winnable games, and I do worry. I do really worry that the way that Tottenham game lands. If we haven't picked up, if we haven't picked up wins against Norwich, Burnley, I do think if we if we're struggling through them games and we lose to Tottenham, 
I, I just, I know it seems weird to be talking about it, but I don't, I don't see how we can, how we can stay in the job after that. Cause we will be, we will be bottom of the table. Like still in September. I've had, I've had all my, um, all my Spurs friends and uh, West Ham friends pinging me the pictures of us yeah. being rooted to the bottom of the table. So it's, it's sad. It's sad, Damien. Really I, sad I, at the moment. I saw a funny one which said, um, I had to accept cookies to see Arsenal at the bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> that is terrible, man. That is absolutely terrible. Oh, my God. But do you know what? I, I, I agree. It, it does feel, you know, this constant what is it, crisis now for the last... Because he, he, even the even the, the season we won the FA Cup, like, an FA Cup run is really difficult, like, to break up the crisis because you can do good in a cup, um, but you can still obviously not be performing in the Premier League. And, you know, them games come more frequent. And obviously, we went out of... We went out of the Europa League against Olympiacos, didn't we, in, in the last 16, I think, wasn't it? Which was Yeah, yeah, again. That's one of Arteta's worst, worst results, I think. And there's, um, I, I listened to a podcast called the Arsenal Vision um, Podcast, and they say that Arsenal managers, and it's like, um, it started with Wenger, obviously. Um, he got into the washing machine, yeah? Which, you know, it's just where everything's just fucked. Like, everything's all over the place. Like, and, like, you can never get enough momentum to stem the crisis, you know, to keep the crisis away. And I do wonder about um, Arteta, that, that moment, Olympiacos going out to them, I think that, that made a huge question mark over Arteta's capability because, and also he did it, he did it again last year against Villarreal. Yeah, he, he, just, he just keeps having these, these moments which really question and because obviously his first job there's nothing to fall back on his man management is a bit suspect as well isn't it oh, what do you think yeah yeah I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't started on that but I'm all about, I'm all about playing for the um, I'm all about kind of making sure that players are held to account for their actions um, that they do such as the one that really the one that really hurts me is uh, Matteo Ginduzzi yeah, he was a he was a bit of a bit of a silly boy going off and um, and having to go at one of the Brighton players. I think it was um, yeah. saying saying that basically I, I earn more than you and I'm and I'm the big man and all that sort of stuff. And I think he put his hand on his throat and stuff. Yeah, and and too right, too right. He should have been fined a couple of weeks' wages. He should have been um, sidelined for a little bit. But the guy the guy has a talent. He just needed to be managed properly um, and he was one of the young stars for, for, for me at Arsenal um, play, playing him at, instead of somebody like Xhaka <laughs> who I think is a total liability <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. To, to, the, to the club he, he, as when he was club captain I don't know how that uh, that decision was made <laughs> to be fair Um who just disappears in big games, but yeah, man, man management people like him, um, and it's obviously very alarming to see things like um, the uh, tweet put out by uh, Maitland Miles as well to say oh. I just want to go somewhere when I, where I want to be loved and played, and that that's all people want to do. They want to play, right? But it's um, it must be pretty bad if 
if he can't have those sorts of chats internally to get something sorted out. hundred um, percent. Like you know, that, that was, that was quite shocking. Like I did a, I did a blog on that actually. I couldn't believe it. Like, because all it talks about, all it speaks about is something is broken in communication lines. Like what is going on? And do you know what I don't understand? Because this is a player. Yeah. And we turned down 15 million for, for, from Wolves. We would, but he's such a useful, versatile player. And there's actually, and now they've obviously had cleared, cleared the air talks and stuff like that. But why does it take a player putting that up? And this is what I mean about crisis to crisis, you know? And I do think, yeah, you can have difficult results on the football pitch. You can have, you know, difficult games, you know, a lack of money or direction from the club and all that kind of stuff. But surely Arteta's, what he has going for him is the fact that he's a good coach. He's had strong relationships with people like Leroy Sane, you know, Sterling, like they credit him for being, you know, brilliant, you know, in helping them develop their game. But he can't have a conversation or treat Matteo Guendouzi, you know, like dress him down a bit in private and listen, say, listen, you've got a part to play in this team. You know, actually get your head down and work and actually work with him to polish his game or make someone like Maitland-Niles who you rejected a transfer for. So he's obviously part of your plan and then just completely break the whole relationship down with him. I can't understand it, man. I, honestly, I can't understand it. And like you say, it's worrying. Like, what's he got to do over the next two months to, or, or the next, like, you know, to actually get, get you back on side? You were like me. I was a, I was a big supporter of him. You know, I, I, I thought this guy is a, this is the only way we're going to get a superstar coach is by yeah. actually developing one. And he, like you mentioned earlier, he's got he's got to get some points. He's got to get some points on the board against the teams that we should be winning at, like the Norwiches mm. and the Burnleys and whatnot. Burnley again, one of those uh, one of those uh, difficult teams to play against. I worry but, about that one a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we should be should be beating them. It was I think was it in his first season he managed to get the most points against the top six, which is which is all well and good. And which is which is pretty awesome, right? But you've got to be doing it against the lower clubs. You can't. You can't just. You, yeah, you've got to. You've got to be winning the games that you should be winning. And for me, it's it probably does all hinge up until that Spurs game. He has to win that game, like <sighs> like that game. He has to win. Yeah. No, he he he, he certainly does. Right. He's 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 got to win it to to win the fans back over. But the. The players need to perform for him, and they yeah. don't seem to be doing it. It's a pro- it's a problem with with the club from top to bottom, but they've got to, yeah, they just got to they just got to work for him and play they for him. Got to, they just they got just, to fucking get their act together, or, honestly. Or even or or even or even try to put a result out like that. Like I I said, watching watching the highlights of that Man City game, it didn't feel like oh. they even tried at all. So I know. I didn't even want to watch the half the half time analysis. And apparently we came out in the second half and we didn't even like we didn't even look like a like a team. I do wonder though, again, we talk about these questionable decisions. Playing Kalasanat, a player who you've been trying to get rid of and who asked to be bought out of his contract, apparently, like a few days earlier, playing him at centre back in against Man City. I'm just asking for trouble, isn't it? I, I, honestly, it's like 
I, I honestly, the thinking, and the thing is, us as fans, we just want to know that there is a plan, yeah, and that there's a that there's you know clear thinking going on. And I do wonder with Arteta where he's now second guessing everything that he's doing. But also, one thing which was interesting, did you see the Edu interview? I, I read it. I read a little bit, bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, for me, sounds like Edu is trying to split responsibility between him and Arteta. So Edu's taking care of the summer and he's going, this is me. Now it's over to Arteta. Because Edu used to be quite closely associated with Arteta. But I think that Edu is trying to draw a line between them. I mean, I'm happy about it because I would like the club to future-proof themselves. You know, they have players who are there after the manager's gone. You know, maybe not so many decisions being made by the manager, Arteta, which was a a terrible decision by the club to do that. I literally do not understand. I don't understand it. Um, But I do think that Edu is distancing himself a little bit. And I, I think that that actually gives me a lot of... Whilst I want Arteta to succeed in the short term and then obviously midterm, I want the club to finally stop acting so stupid <laughs> you know, and yeah. actually have a clear idea or look after the club. Don't pander to the manager. Look after the club like, come on, man, please. And I think that there is a clear line now being drawn between that, which gives me cause for optimism, but tiny optimism because we've got another promoted club <laughs> in our next game. <laughs> and then we got Burnley away and then we got Spurs at home. And then we've got Brighton away, which is a really, which is, which has been a really difficult game for us the last few seasons. So I, do you know what? Winnable game, but each one seems to have, have like a, a banana skin in it, doesn't it? <laughs> And I do think, I, do you know what? I think if he loses the, the North London derby, depending on the fixtures before, I think he'll be gone. I think he will be gone. And the thing is, I don't want him to go because I do think there's a really good coach in there. But um, yeah, he just seems to be a bit all over the place at the moment. Um, so I think that we should talk about the final, final thing here. So what do you feel <clears throat> about the state of the game right now? So this question on all of our fans, uh, fan fan series. Um, essentially, what I mean is, is there something about football which which you you are absolutely loving, or that you're absolutely hating right now? So yeah, what do you feel about the state of the game right now? Sure. So, well, one of the things that I that I feel being a, being a technologist and working in technology is why um, is VAR. Um, I'd always kind of advocated seeing it in the game um, certainly with some decisions probably more Arsenal based that haven't gone out our way <laughs> but um, but kind of the, the way that I work with technology myself is to kind of help make things better so I was expecting a lot of that unfortunately being left quite disappointed it, I can't understand why you, you, you have to carry sometimes like you have to wait and it's not like waiting 20 or 30 seconds. Sometimes it's waiting minutes um, mm. for decisions to be made. And it, and it just interrupts the flow of the game. Like the whole, the whole thing where when you score a goal that you can't actually celebrate it immediately. 
um, because you have to wait for this VAR decision because because your your hand might have been slightly over, <laughs> slightly offside, yeah. which which seems absolutely ridiculous because you can't you can't play the ball with your hand anyway. So how can that be that's justified a, to be offside? Yeah, that's what I don't understand because I thought that the whole point of VAR was to was to look into um, decisions which are which are kind of dubious or not clear, or maybe the referee calls for VAR when, you know, he wants to check something or she, you know, wants to check something. But it seems to, it seems to look into every single thing that's going on, which I don't understand that that's not the point, you know, it's, and you're right. It's it's really ruining the flow of the game because, I do think them breaks after goals and stuff like that. It's um, I feel like the emotion is being taken out of it, you know. Because I sometimes think, you know, you know, you have these times in it where a team scores a goal and it fires up the other team, and they come out straight after the goal and they absolutely go for it. And because they used to say the the um, the hardest, the, the most difficult point to manage in the match is when you go a goal up. Yeah, yeah, it but, is. Yeah. But it isn't anymore because no one's fucking doing anything <laughs> for the next two minutes. Everyone's just standing there. What's happening, guys? Wicked. <laughs> but you know, I do. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with it. But um, yeah, the way it's managed is wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of it should probably go back down to the. Um, they should make it a bit more use of the pitch side screens um, and allow the referee to make the decision. Um, mm. rather than at some some office in the Stockley Park, which is just down the road from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because where does the, the responsibility lie now? Is it in the stadium or is it in the VAR studio? It seems to be the VAR studio, doesn't it? Yeah, we, which, which, is a sad, which, is the sad, which is a sad part of the game, really. It needs to come back to the stadium, back to the referee's responsibility to... Yeah, because it should be like... Yeah, because it should be like, you know, um, you've... Um, it's like, okay, the referee makes the decision or, you know, something like that for a, for a tackle. And then it's like, you might want to, through the earpiece, you might want to, you might want to look at that. You know, we advise you have a look at it because we've seen something that you might not have seen. Okay, pop over or just take their recommendation. Go, go listen, there was a clear foul there because you've got to obviously trust the people who are, who are doing it for you. And, and they are like qualified refs in the studio. It's like, yeah, Okay, I'll go with you on this one because I do sometimes think as well the referee should be applying the the information in a correct way as well, rather than listening to um, the regulations of the the FA, the Premier. But do you know what it is? It's all about you know um, it's all about killing off the the referee rock stars. You know, people like Mike Dean. You know, who had to, who has to make everything about himself. Yeah, because you know, it actually happened to him last season, didn't it? It actually VAR was really good because I think he made the decision, and it was overruled in VAR, and he was absolutely raging about it. You could see he was like there, like talking to them, <laughs> going nuts, and then the face on him was absolutely ridiculous. I don't like him anyway because he is a Spurs fan, isn't he? I think he's a Spurs fan. I think so. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, fuck that guy. All right. Thanks for your time, Ricky. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Damien. Nice one, mate.
Great. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen. Um, Ricky's a great guy. And as you can, as you can tell, you know, he's very passionate about Arsenal and, you know, hopefully for me and him, things are going to get better. But I just wanted to um, give you a little bit of a note about the, about the audio. Okay. So <laughs> me being an absolute amateur. Okay. What I actually did was that I, um, I was using my AirPods and instead of using the, the, um, it, you know, the laptop um, microphone, I was actually using the AirPods one and the audio for me sounds a little bit disjointed. But as you can hear from this recording, I finally got there. Okay. So don't worry about that. Um, should all be good going forwards. But I just want to, you know, express my excitement that you're listening to this and, you know, say I appreciate you for taking the time to do this. I know there's a lot of great um, podcasts out there. And if we can give you sort of something a little bit different, then the job is done. But anyway, listen, thanks for listening. Um, hope your weekend goes well and stay safe. Nice one.